0: If you have your Bibles, uh, go to Malachi, Matthew, that's the split from Old and New Testament, and go back five books from Malachi and you'll hit um, Habakkuk. So, Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Uh, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I don't know if I was thinking about this with Travis uh, at the end of uh, the worship and he was praying and then he started singing. That's kind of what Habakkuk did. Uh, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. You may think that's a little weird maybe you know your background where you've come from, but uh, it's biblical. So uh, you can be uh, at rest about that. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. That's so good. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, teach from it. Thank you for your spirit here today to uh, awaken us, to cause us to be alert to our spiritual condition. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you want us to be with you forever in heaven. And you're preparing a place for each one of us who will put our faith and trust in you right now to make that happen. So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. I pray for every person in this room. May they know without any doubts that you are with them, walking with them. Uh, It's all because of your love. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, some of you may have watched the Packer game. I guess you didn't. Anyway, (laughs) Ty Montgomery, how about it? A minute, 56 seconds left. Uh, the, The Los Angeles Rams scored to go ahead by two points, and uh, as you know, man, anything under two minutes is plenty of time for Rodgers to uh, put points on the board, right? So Ty Montgomery was told to take a knee in the end zone that would give the Packers the amount of time to to do that very thing, to go down the field and ultimately win the game. But Ty Montgomery uh, did not do what he was told. He decided to run the ball out of the end zone and, um, and, and got hit pretty hard. And in the process, he fumbled the ball, recovered by the Rams. And the Rams held the ball then for the remaining of the game. Rogers was never able to get back on the field. And that was, that's the end of the story. And so I want to ask you today, where is Ty Montgomery today? he's no longer with the Green Bay Packers, right? Isn't that right? And so you might be thinking, you know, that's not right. That is not fair. Um, If I was Ty Montgomery, I'd be really ticked right now. Well, the problem was Ty Montgomery was ticked before uh, he disobeyed what his coach told him to do. He was ticked, and so he decided to do his own thing. And um, I I think we would all agree if uh, we were the coaching staff for the Green Bay Packers, it would be good to remove that kind of influence from the rest of the team because in the locker room, uh, that way of thinking is very contagious, right? It is. Um, Doing my own thing is very contagious, and and, uh, we see it all throughout our culture today, and that's why you're seeing governments, you're seeing cultures living in anarchy, and when there's anarchy, uh, it's a bad place to be. So the leadership of the Green Bay Packers decided we don't want anarchy in the locker room. We will get rid of this dude who thinks he knows better than the coach. And they did. So be it. And this morning you might be thinking, well, what in the world does that have to do with a backup? It has everything to do with a backup because a backup realized in his nation of Judah, many of those in his culture were living their lives like Ty Montgomery did. God, for the ages, over and over and over again, had sent men, prophets, to tell the people, please come back to God. Stop doing your own thing. Stop being like Ty Montgomery. and they didn't. In fact, in Second Chronicles 36.15, we hit this last week, but it, it, uh, it echoes what Ty Montgomery did on the football field to what happened in Judah 2,600 years ago to where you and I are living today, because I can tell you that the, the mindset of Ty Montgomery is very much alive in our culture today where people are living their lives the way they want to. And I don't care what anybody else says about it. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's a dangerous place to be. It was dangerous for Judah. And here's what it says. Um, God, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent warning messages to them out of compassion for both his people, and his temple. He wanted to give them every chance possible. Did you catch that? Yeah. Every chance possible. But they wouldn't listen. They poked fun at God's messengers, despised the message itself, and in general treated the prophets like idiots. God became more and more angry until there was no turning back. God called in Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. basically. Again, when you see that he became more angry, it's not that he had a, uh, uh, you know, a bad temper, etc. It was simply because he's a righteous God. He's a God of justice. Justice has to be dealt. And he, and he waited and waited and waited, and he begged and he begged and he begged, and the people just blew him off. Very similar to what Ty Montgomery did last Sunday. And through it all, Habakkuk is is watching this happen in his culture, where all these Thai Montgomerys are running around doing their own thing and their their culture is in chaos spiritually. Yesterday, the Purdue Boilermakers played and uh, I turned on the game for the last minute because it was a close game and things were kind of up in the air where the victor would land and uh, if you notice, this is, this is Purdue. And the way these guys are, are lined up, you can't, you can't see their names, can you? Uh, on their jerseys. Or can you? Can you see them? No. But if they were to stand up straight, you would see the entire team has the same last name. They all have the last name of Purdue. Purdue. And you think, how did that happen, you know? How did all these people coming from different places in the country, how can they all have the last name? What's wrong? What happened? Very simply, these men decided to take their name and put it on the ground and instead put the name of the school that they represent on their jerseys. And it was simply, they're they're making a statement, we are not going to be a bunch of Ty Montgomery's in the locker room doing our own thing trying to build fame for ourselves. We're a team, and we're going to promote the team. We're all Purdue's, right? And this morning, in the body of Christ, living for Jesus isn't about you. It's about pointing people to Jesus Christ. It's making his name and his fame lifted up and promoted. And not defame Ty Montgomery, that was bad publicity for the Green Bay Packers, I can tell you. It was bad. And God recognized that same attitude with his own people, you know, where he would send people into the locker room and say, hey, 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 hey. Uh, this is not about what you want to do. This is about me, God. I, I want you to model my character to the rest of the world. And they blew him off over and over again. And they said, no, we will not be like Purdue. We'll be like Ty Montgomery. And this morning, I want to ask you this morning, what team are you on and who are you promoting with your life? Because that's very important. That's very important. And this morning, as we... Um, go into this book, and we find that Habakkuk, uh, this man of God, this prophet, who really was having a debate, and and uh, he was really questioning God on why God would let his people Judah be a bunch of Ty Montgomerys and not deal with it. You know, they were still in a locker room, and their influence was was impacting other people in Judah in the locker room. And he was wondering, why, why God weren't you dealing with that? And so because of God's grace, he finally says, well, I, I see what they've been doing. I've been, I've been attempting to change their mind, uh, but they're ignoring me. They're blowing me off. So now I am deciding to bring Babylon in to bring judgment to this nation that I love so dearly. If you want to use the imagery, you could say we're going to ship Judah off to Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> Instead, many were shipped off to Babylon, and Daniel was one of them, and so was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these were good young men. So we see in in chapter 3 that um, Habakkuk was singing his prayer uh, to God, and he, he had a life change. Somewhere in the midst of being in that watchtower and spending time in God's presence, instead of... Uh, bringing his complaints and asking all these questions and about the integrity of God and so on, he settles it. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, by the way. Habakkuk gives you permission to be transparent with God. You don't have to pretend or anything. Just put it on the table. But when Habakkuk did, God answered those questions and then God made himself known to Habakkuk on a personal level. And that's where the change took place in his own life. And so we see the shift here. Number one, Habakkuk changed, and I'm so glad he changed on the inside. And I want to tell you this morning, um, we could get into all kind of different lifestyles on how you should live and what you shouldn't do. And, and I could do that on a Sunday morning, and by Monday night, somebody else could be talking to you about why you should do it or why you shouldn't do it. And so you're living your life like the winds and the waves of the sea, man. You're getting blown to and for, from, and whatever the case may be. And let me tell you something, that kind of living is not fun. But I know what I was in my life when God's Spirit talks to me, I have a choice to make. I can choose to obey Him or I can choose to be like Ty Montgomery. I could run the ball out. But it's when we obey and we take a knee in the end zone and we say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Let me tell you something that radically changes your life. And you're demonstrating who's the leader of your life by doing that. I will take a knee in the end zone. That's what the coach wants. I'll do it. And so Habakkuk had that same experience with God in the watchtower. God, you have made yourself known to me. I will take a knee and I will trust you through this chaos that I'm living through. I'm going to trust you. And so be it. So, number one, Habakkuk changed, and um, last week we talked about in Psalm 118 how the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. That's how God wants you and I to live our lives, to, to live our lives in victory, experience victory on a daily basis. And I, hey, I get it. We're not perfect. We do make mistakes. We do sin. But when we do, we need to get back on track and say, Lord, forgive me, Right? instead of staying off track and just keep drifting farther and farther away from God. Because we know so many people come to church guilt-ridden, you know, because they've been defeated all week. They're just, just hanging on by their fingernails. That's not how God wants you to do it, man. He wants you to walk in victory with your head up, not confident in yourself, but confident in who God is. He's the one that's given me victory. And so, Number two, sing. We need to sing. So we need to be changed into the image and character of God, and then we need to sing about it, and and Habakkuk does that. Um, This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. And uh, Psalm 104.33 kind of echoes what Habakkuk did. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. What's the psalmist doing? He's talking to himself. I will sing. Ah. <laughs> right? He's talking to himself. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. He's going to sing. And then the, the psalmist in Psalm 51, he's kind, of, he's kind of realizing, hey, you know what? I'm kind of mum, uh, mute. Mute. When it comes to singing, so he prays, Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Unseal my lips. So is he saying, Lord, send an angel and ah, Open my mouth so ah, I can sing. No, that is not how God does it, does he? He is saying, he's recognizing that by his will, he's been keeping his mouth shut and not singing. He's saying, Lord, help me open my mouth. Help me change on the inside so I will open my mouth so I can praise you. That's, that's good. Sing, and we've, we've hit that before. So number three, this is new ground. <laughs> and I know, man, you, your pins have just been screaming, hey, use me, use me. And on the back of your program, there's an outline, and here you go. You get a chance to do it. Number three, remember. Verse two, remember. Verse two. All right. I have heard all about you, Lord, and I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by, and in your anger, remember your mercy. Help us again as you did. So he's remembering uh, God from the past, and it's a repetitive, Old Testament command, and even when it comes to, to, to history, don't forget. God is saying, don't forget me. And God is saying, remember me. Right. You know? Hey, that's, hey, hey, hey. Because that's exactly what happened to Judah. They forgot about God. They displaced him and forgot about him. It's like in American history. You, you will go back and you will remember when the Alamo got defeated, the, the cry throughout America then was, remember the Alamo. Before World War II, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, that got us into the war. What do we want? Remember Pearl Harbor. Don't forget. Remember Pearl Harbor. 9-11. Remember 9-11. Don't forget. Don't forget what happened on 9-11. So so it's a a common usage of words, isn't it? Remember. Don't forget. And um, there's five kind of God moments that are written about in Alan Wright's book, The God Moment Principles. To remember. And one is, he says, amazing rescue. When God guarded you, he rescued you. He made a way out for you. And I can think of several right now in my own personal life. I should be dead. Honestly, I should be dead. But God, I, it's, it was a God thing. God rescued me. Two, a holy attraction. when The moment God led you and enabled you to resist temptation or inspired you to take a high road. Instead of taking the low road on revenge and giving into temptation. Three, an unearned blessing, the moment God gave you an unexpected blessing or undeserved gift. I could think of one right now God's grace. I, it's, it's undeserved. I, I don't deserve it, but He gave it, right? How about the revealed truth, the moment God spoke to you through the Bible, through wise counsel, through a God inspired message? You know, that was God speaking. You got it. Or how about valuable adversity, number five, the moment God sustained you in a difficult time or he made you stronger through an adverse situation? Just remember those things. In fact, two weeks from now, we're going to be celebrating communion. And Paul, echoing Jesus, uh, my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. He's saying, remember. Remember what I did for you on the cross. I paid for your sin debt. And then do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Remember. Don't forget what I did on the cross. Uh, Barna came up with this statistic. 55% of of Americans today think they can get to heaven by doing good things, good works. You know what that is? That's a Ty Montgomery moment. That is saying, I can get to heaven on my own by doing good stuff. I don't need a Savior. It doesn't matter what Jesus did on the cross. They're, they're putting their hands, they're throwing mud in Jesus' face saying, I don't need a Savior. I can earn my way to heaven. Right? So they don't remember. Listen, friend, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ putting your faith and trust in what he accomplished on the cross by paying your sin debt and my sin debt. I believe that. I can't do enough good stuff. I can't earn my way in. That's all phony, baloney information. So, I mean, by working your way in. Jesus is the truth, the only way. So, I think of... um, The song that we sing here, I Will Look Up, uh, that's been a prayer of mine when, well, let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. Let's talk about it. I will look up. He's in the present. I, I, there's nowhere else to go. Right now, I just look up. Then he says, I'll look back. In other words, I'll go back. I'll remember and see that you're faithful. You see that? And then I look ahead into the future, believing that you're able. Isn't that cool? The past, the present, and the future. Great resource for praying. Fuel for the fire. And we need to remember when was the last time you remembered what God has done in your life and you told him? Hmm. It's good to do that. It's good to remember and say, Lord, thank you. Stephen Eltraj wrote this article. Man, it resonated with me. He said, the forgetfulness that leads to depression. He says, as I've gotten older, I've noticed that certain things about me are changing. It's not easy to stay healthy as it once was. In my youth, I was able to eat entire sleeves of Orioles without the slightest repercussions. Do you remember those days? I'll tell you what I miss. I miss eating donuts, man. You know, like, like back in the day when I was in high school, I could knock out a bunch. <laughs> and then we'd go down to Burger King, you know. And then we'd go out for pizza. It was just like one place after another. Boom, boom, boom. I miss those days. <laughs> I, uh, just like this dude. He says, now I look in an Oreo and I gain five pounds. But he says, perhaps most, the most concerning change I see in myself is that I'm becoming increasingly cynical and jaded as I get older. Can I say that's true for me? I have to fight that. I was pretty naive when I was younger. I didn't realize just how full of suffering and sadness life can be. The older I get, the more I'm aware of how royally life can stink because I've seen so many crises in people's lives. In the midst of life's bitterness, it's so easy to drift towards depression. I'm talking about depression of the soul, that sick, sour, cynical disposition that leads me to see all things through gray lenses, that constant discouragement that I try to numb with television and Facebook and anything else I can use to distract myself, that feeling that it will always be winter and never Christmas. What is it that causes this depression of the soul in me? Here it is, a large part of it is forgetfulness. Reading Psalm 42, 5 and 6, he says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but here it is, but I will remember you. I will remember you. The psalmist was cast down and discouraged. He was worn out with life. He didn't have any gas left. So what was his solution? To remember God. To remember God. Isn't that a great place to be? To remember God. That's exactly where Habakkuk was. That's exactly where you and I need to land as well in this life. Where we're at right now is to remember what God has done in and through our lives. Sub-point one, he heard about God. Verse 2a, he says, I've heard all about you, Lord. And we know we can hear about God. And Romans 1 talks about creation. God speaks through creation. And because of that, anybody, everybody is without excuse that there is a creator. And with that creator, was a savior. Um, And Johnny Erickson Tada, when she was 17 years old, She dove into a lake and broke her neck, paralyzing her from her neck down. And last year, Christianity Today magazine interviewed Johnny. And the title of the article is this I want you to catch this. After 50 years in a wheelchair, I still walk with Jesus. She's paralyzed. 50 years and I still walk with Jesus. Whew. She reflects about God's faithfulness. She remembers. And she was asked at the time of your diving accident, you were 17 years old, if you could speak to the young woman you were at that age, what would you want to say to her today? And she said, As a young girl, I was so distracted, enamored, fascinated, infatuated. The world was before me, and I had so many options. If I could go back, I'd take myself by the shoulders and shake them and say, look at me, Johnny, listen. Love Jesus more, obey him more, follow him more closely, and not at a distance. Don't second-guess the Holy Spirit's whispers and convictions in your heart. Don't make your own decisions without checking in with God. Follow him much more closely. And she goes on to say that, man, I I heard about God. I was raised in a Christian home, but there was something about that crisis in my life that it moved from my head to my heart. It became personal. Last week, I was in a store and uh, they had some books uh, laid out and uh, one that caught my eye was written by Charlotte Pence, the uh, daughter of Vice Vice President Pence. And her book is entitled, um, Where You Go, Life Lessons from My Father. And she talks about how her mom and dad encouraged all three of the kids to live for Christ. They modeled it. And they encouraged them to make it their own. And she said, uh, there was a time in my life, not long ago, when I was studying uh, overseas, um, that uh, at Oxford that um, I started asking questions about Christianity, about the way I was raised. She said, uh, "I turned away from God, not wanting anything to do with Christianity." But at the same time, I felt like God was coming after me. Hmm, it's kind of interesting. I was interested in atheism for a while, I wasn't as interested in Christianity. I recall that floating on my own without God, and I thought I would be fine during my time at Oxford. I had become interested in atheism and spent much more of the year reading from thought leaders in this area. I was interested in other types of ideas, ones I had not been raised in. I stopped going to church and reading my Bible. Ding, ding, ding. You see what happens, friend, when you stop going to church and you stop reading your Bible, you become bait for the enemy. True or false? I also even avoided my spiritual friends and wanted to do life without God. You see how that happens? You just start getting bump, 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 and then you become fuel for the lion. I believe I didn't need a God, but as the year went on, I felt increasingly hopeless I thought my questions would go away or be answered. I thought maybe I would no longer care and I would be able to live an agnostic lifestyle. Maybe a part of me even wished I could, but atheism didn't answer my questions. And she goes on talking about how she would talk to her mom and dad about her struggle with her faith and how they, they loved me unconditionally through that time. And they were willing and open to talk about any questions I had about my faith. They were definitely present in my life at the time, and ultimately my faith had, ju- had to just become my own. See it? And once it did, there was really no going back. She says, I was flying back to school, and I was listening to a Christian song, and it was there that God's presence just overwhelmed me to the point where I came home to my Savior, to my friend, capital F, I understood. I needed him, and he took me back with open arms. And I have never been more sure of anything since. We see that um, Charlotte Pence had to make her faith her own, right? She had heard about God, but she had to dial it in to where she owned it. That's where you and I have to do the same thing. Coming to church... Doesn't make you a follower of Christ, right? You have to own it. You have to put your faith in Christ. Which leads us to number sub-point two. He's in awe of God. Look at verse two. B. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. That word awe means astonished. It's I am um, astonished. I I praise God for for what what He's done. He Habakkuk is looking back and he sees God and His his consistency and his character, and he's just like, wow, God, you are you are something else. When you own it. Not only that, but Habakkuk sensed a change in his own life, and man, that got him fired up. I'm in awe of you, God. You changed me from the inside out. Whew, he was excited. And so... Mark Atterbury, he's a Christian writer and pastor, and he was invited to speak at a men's retreat a few years ago. And he says, When the dude was driving me back to the airport after the retreat, he said to me, I don't know what it is with guys. It's just so hard to get them interested in the things of God. Mark writes, What about you? Are you the guy who has to be bribed with a steak or a round of golf before you'll invest time and energy in spiritual growth? Are you a guy who is happy to flip burgers at the church picnic or help with repairs to the church roof but would never think of sitting down in a quiet place with a Bible and really checking out what God has to say? Hmm? Bottom line, are you just a guy who goes to church or are you serious about growing spiritually? It's a good question, isn't it, how true it is? Rebecca well, got tired of going through the motions, and he allowed God to change him. And because of that, he was in awe of God. Just like Chris Tomlin's song that we're going to hear, the famous one. Let's listen. Yet Doesn't that make you want to sing? Yeah. Woo! That's a good song, man. That is a good song. That'll get you fired up. Man, I bet you Habakkuk was singing that from the watchtower with the microphone. Man, he was going, there is nobody like you, God. I'm in awe of you. Oh, man, that is good stuff. Thank you, Chris, for singing and playing and writing that song. Yeah. Yeah, man. And number three, he's asking God for help again, and that's a great place to be. Look at verse 2C. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Man, there is something about asking God for help again. There is something about that. There's a, a Chinese prayer that goes like this, O oh Lord, change the world, but begin, I pray, with me. Right? That's a good prayer. Or the old spiritual, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Is that you this morning? huh? It's a great place to be, Lord. I need help. I need you. I'm asking you, Lord, help once again. And as we pray for renewal, you know, like Habakkuk did for his nation, do it again, Lord. Show your mercy again, Lord. Will you do it? I I was reading Psalm 123 last week, and I thought, man... Here's another cool psalm that echoes Habakkuk. It says, I lift my eyes to you, O God enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy. Huh? Just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Just have mercy on us, God. That's a great prayer. Lord, we need your mercy. And there you have it. Number four, see God moving. Look at verse 3 all the way through 15. Habakkuk says, man, I see God moving across the deserts of Edom. And I'll tell you what, if you go to Israel and you go to you, you go to um, the Negev. Negev is simply the desert area. There's The bottom third of Israel is all desert. And as you drive down to a lot right on the Egyptian border, you're thinking, this is so boring. There's nothing going on in the desert. But aren't you glad Habakkuk says, I see God moving across the deserts of Edom? Even in the deserts, God is moving. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran, His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with His praise, and His coming is as brilliant as a sunrise. And as you read through these verses, you see all the verbs. Yes, that's an English term, verbs, action, word, on a Sunday morning. Look at, look at all the verbs, man. He shatters. He struck the rivers. He, you brandished your bow. You marched across the land. You trampled the nations. You went out to rescue. You crushed the heads of the wicked. You destroyed the chief. You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. Boom, God is moving. You know what gets me pumped is when I see God moving in your life. That gets me excited. Just like it gets you excited to see God working in your life. Whew. We need to see God moving. Habakkuk, in the midst of this crisis, he remembered and he saw God moving, and he was good with that. Man, you talk about last Wednesday night. We saw the video with Louis Giglio on how great our God is. Was that pretty cool, huh? You know, look at the sun here. I know you you feel the heat right away, don't you? And I'm sweating. How is that possible? Because the surface of the sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I think we'd say that's pretty hot. And the sun is a million times the size of our planet Earth. Think about that. The sun is so big you can put 960,000 Earths inside the sun. That's a bunch, right? How about the star Betelgeuse? 427 light years away, 5.888 trillion miles away from the Earth. The star Betelgeuse is twice the size of the earth's orbit around the sun. You could fit 262 trillion earths inside Betelgeuse. And we could go on and on. And and that's God. God put it. He spoke it. Boom. Spoke it. It was done. Amazing. You serve a big God or a little God? Man, he's a big God. And we're asking for his help, and we want to see him move once again. And finally, number five, wait for the coming day. Verse 16, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. What's Habakkuk saying? He's going from chapters 1 and 2 to questioning God. To praying, and then verse 16, he's saying, God, I know the Babylonians are coming, and because of knowing that, my body is shaking. You ever have that happen to you? Man, I think of just last week, Charles Wesco, a missionary to Cameroon, was shot and killed. And here's the deal. His family had spent years raising money to get to Cameroon, and they'd only been there two weeks, and he was killed. How's that? Huh? But listen to his wife, Stephanie, who describes her husband's death as a tragedy. She said, I'm believing God has allowed this for a purpose. What's she doing? My body's shaking, God. In this crisis, I've lost my husband, but I am standing quietly knowing that you have a purpose behind all of this. That's what she's saying. How is it with you? Hmm? Well, I think of my own life, man, alive. When I was growing up and I had these repeating nightmares of a monster coming into my bedroom. Coming down the street, coming down the sidewalk, coming into the backyard, coming into the back door, walking up the stairway into the kitchen. My bedroom was right next to the kitchen. My body shook. So what did I do? I went into my parents' bedroom because there was a chair waiting for me. And sitting in that chair, knowing my mom and dad were in the bedroom, I stopped shaking. It was good. It was a good place to be. That's exactly what Habakkuk is saying. The Babylonians are coming. There's nothing I can do to change it. But while I am waiting, I am waiting quietly on the Lord because I can trust him. That's a safe place to be. And this morning, whatever you're going through, Whatever crises is coming your way or you're living through today, you can follow the great example of Habakkuk on what he did to rest in his God. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, for Habakkuk, for his example. We thank you that he allowed you to change him that he could sing back to you about your greatness. He remembered you, Lord. He saw you moving, and he waited for the coming day. Lord, help us to walk through that same process in our lives. Thank you for the great example that we have in your word to follow and model after. I pray for every person in this room this morning, Lord, whatever they're going through. May they bring it back to you. Wrestle with you. Embrace you through it all. And wait quietly for that great day when you come back for each one of us.